Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about role players. I'm Colin Lamoth, and this week I'm fa- I'm flying solo to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, what it all means for people who share our favorite hobby. I may not be an expert, but I do have a pleasant voice and a wealth of gaming experience that I'm eager to share with you. Our particular topic today is the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. I just finished setting up for my next installment of a long-running campaign that has stretched through the last year or two in several different iterations. This is C-Team. I had A-Team and B-Team beforehand, all in different aspects of the Fantasy Flight system, which I will get into. So, the Fantasy Flight system incorporates three core eras or flavors of the type of game that you're attempting to run. There's the Age of Rebellion, Force and Destiny, and Edge of the Empire. Generally speaking, you can kind of tell from the names where each of these are set. Obviously, Age of the Rebellion has its focus in the time of the Death Star, a lot of the first three films. That is the Rebellion era. Most of the characters are Rebellion characters. And a lot of the races that you see in the books are races that you have seen in the original movies, especially those that have been involved in the Rebellion. Force and Destiny is the Force-focused supplement for those of us that want to play a laser-sword-wielding Jedi Knight. Or, depending on your particular flavor or interest in the expanded universe, something like Grey Jedi or Gen Sarai, or whatever it is that really gets you going, Star Wars lore. Force and Destiny incorporates the use of several Force powers, Uh, a closer look at what it means to be a Jedi, and a lot of Force-centric abilities, talents, and powers. Now, the Force does make an appearance in every single one of the core books, and all of the core books technically can be run together, but they have some unique flavors that we'll get into a little bit farther into the podcast. Finally, there is Edge of the Empire, which is a system for scum and villainy. People that are not necessarily involved in the intergalactic war of the Rebellion or are magic-wielding space monks, Edge of the Empire is for pretty much everybody else. We have our warriors, our bounty hunters, our smugglers, our colonists, our speakers. When I began my game, I decided to start with Force and Destiny. I wanted to run through a sustained period of time, focusing our camera, our character focus, so to say, point of view, on different aspects of where the series would have developed. So, when I began, it was before the Clone Wars, I began my players as Jedi younglings in the same class. We played up through them being Padawans, up through Order 66 and all the Clone Wars, and then ended two years after the Clone Wars, after which we picked up a different point of view, a crew of pirates, smugglers, villains, criminals. For B-Team, we took a look at what happened after the Clone Wars, the establishment of the Empire and the change of the entire galaxy to fall along with that new power. Finally, 
Today I began my iteration of C-Team, which will take us into the Rebellion era. Let's start about six years after the Empire has been established. We'll run us up to some of the events, or at least some of the timeline, that Rebels touches on through the first three movies, and then we'll end within a few years after the fall of the Empire, which I am particularly excited to get into. In terms of things, I am not a Star Wars nerd, or at least I guess I could say that I am not as versed in the extended universe as some people are. I came to Star Wars, like a lot of people as a kid, um, was interested in the movies, watched the prequels in theater, and when I was pretty young, I kind of enjoyed them. Um, not so much on rewatch, but that's an entire other story. And I've watched the other Star Wars movies that have come out. I didn't get involved in the extended universe, although I did play some of the video games, never really read any of the books, or got into many of the comics. So when I design my game, or decide where I want to bring my scenario, sometimes I just browse Wikipedia or other fan sites of cool things that show up in Star Wars to find exactly what sort of elements I want to draw out of the extended universe, splice onto my universe, the understanding of things, and kind of create my own galactic canon. With as much as there is on Star Wars out there, but with the extended universe, which is now Legends, and our canon universe, you can go any kind of direction. There are more planets than you can shake a stick at, and a lot of them do not have a bunch written about them anywhere that I could find on the web. I chose for C-Team to set my game on Tehran, which is an interim planet on the Permian trade route, hyperspace trade route. There is a, I believe, a D-20 clone commando-based uh, module that happens during the Clone Wars that is set on... Tehran, and apart from that, I believe it's mentioned in a comic somewhere from what I can find on the Wikipedia, the fact that it has a great fare. So there was just enough details that I could extrapolate the rest on my own, and I couldn't find any other information that generally told me too much about the planet, which I prefer. I prefer a little bit of context, enough that I can be creative with it, but not enough that I feel restricted by the lore for things to be a very certain way. So, we're talking about the Fantasy Flight Star Wars system. We've gone over the three main cores. Now let's talk about what sets it apart from many other systems. And for me, I think for a lot of people that play it, it's the dice. Now you can't just roll up to the table with any amount of dice. Technically, there is a chart at the beginning of the book that will allow you to use your technical home set of dice in order to play this game, but Fantasy Flight has printed their own dice, or created their own dice for the system that involves small little pictures. They call it the narrative dice system. Now, this incorporates advantages, disadvantages, successes, failures, triumphs, sorrows, and then one die for light and dark side force. Let's talk about advantages and disadvantages. So the advantages and the disadvantages system is um, a way to flavor 
the successes and failures that your characters come into contact to when they are rolling to find themselves in a situation where the skill was necessary. An advantage and a disadvantage doesn't necessarily cause a success or failure. It's more of the context of the situation around it. So you could succeed a task and have several disadvantages. You could roll a brawl on somebody, let's say, and score several disadvantages on your dice. Even though you technically succeeded, those disadvantages would then need to be assigned. There is a helpful chart that would essentially let you know how those disadvantages could be assigned. Generally speaking, the way that we like to do it is um, through either player or storyteller arbitration on what those disadvantages mean. Maybe you absolutely packed a wallop under that Wookiee's under that Wookiee's chin, but that Wookiee stumbled back and hit the control panel, and now it's going to be that much harder to break into a system where the screens are all cracked off. So you'll have to figure out how to hack it without a visual readout display. Makes your next task a little harder. I was particularly drawn to this system largely because it has such variability. You can succeed, and there might still be negative things that end up happening within the story. Or you could fail, but somehow your failure sets up for a success in the next action or even the next scene. The idea that successes and failures do not need to be binary is something that a lot of skilled DMs generally already come to, already come to the idea of, already come to the understanding of in their games. In D&D, this can be done in a number of different ways, and it's a storytelling tool in order to kind of vary up how a scene feels. But in Star Wars, they don't just give you permission to do it. They encourage this idea of complex situations. And now, successes and failures, pretty straightforward. If you have more successes than you have failures, you have succeeded your task. The more successes you have, the better it is. Triumphs and sorrows only come into play with upgraded dice. Upgraded dice comes from the matching of both an attribute and a skill. When you're playing the game, you have your skills and you have your attributes. And a role is consisted of an attribute and a skill. And these skills are already tied to an attribute in question. So when I ask for a piloting check, you are using your dexterity and you're using your piloting skill. Now in these situations, the highest amount, whether your dexterity is four and your piloting is three, well, then your base dice pool would be four. If your piloting was four and your dexterity was three, four would still be your base dice pool. And the other number, the lower number, is how many base dice you upgrade into better dice. The better dice, in this case, our basic dice are green and our proficiency dice, our expertise dice, are yellow. Yellow comes with more sides, a lot more variable opportunity to roll different amounts of successes and a triumph symbol. What is a triumph symbol? Well, a triumph is, in a sense, much like an advantage or a disadvantage, only amps to 11. 
You can fail a task and end up with a triumph that causes an entire scene to shift its focus. A triumph counts as both its own separate thing and a success. If you end up with more successes than failures and a triumph, it is a triumphant success. You change the scene in some significant ways. However, there are also threat dice. Threat dice being the dice that directly oppose your proficiency dice, depending on the difficulty of the task that you face. And they can be upgraded as well. There is a red brother to the yellow proficiency dice that has something on it called a sorrow. And as great as a triumph is, a sorrow is its exact diametric opposite. It cannot be canceled out, although the, the failure of the sorrow can be canceled out, but the sorrow will remain. Some terrible thing, some twist of fate, some unfortunate happenstance will happen in this action or this scene or this arbitration. As you can imagine, depending on how many dice are upgraded, you can have multiple sorrows, you can have a triumph and a sorrow in the same dice pool, in the same results. So, as a DM, how do you handle this kind of mixed bag of successes and failures and triumphs and advantages and disadvantages? Well, there's not a lot you can do about it except for figure out how that works within the scope of the story. There are charts that tell you general effects that you can spend triumphs or sorrows, advantages or disadvantages on. These are helpful guides, but I like to kind of take it a little bit farther out, make it a little bit more story affected, make the scenes a little bit more cinematic, interesting, and I encourage you if you are getting involved with the system to do the exact same. After all, the dice give you a guideline, a blueprint on how the action is playing out. Was it a triumphant success? Was it an ensorrowed failure? Was it a success with some disadvantages? Was it a success with some advantages? It's up to you. You decide, or you can hand it over to your players and have them decide how the scene changes based on these non-binary symbols. <clears throat> it's not necessarily just a number. It doesn't automatically translate into a mechanic benefit. It can, but it doesn't have to. You get to choose the pacing. That's what I really love about the game. That's what really drew me in in the first place. Finally, the dice that we have, are the light and dark side of the force. These dice with white circles and black circles. Whenever you utilize a force power, you roll the dice in order to determine whether your force power works or whether it doesn't. And depending on whether you're a light side force user or a dark side force user, you will be able to arbitrate on how it works or doesn't work. Now, let's talk about another aspect of the fantasy flight system that I particularly enjoy, and these are destiny points. At the beginning of the game, each player takes one of the force dice and rolls. 
depending on what they get, you can get up to two light side points, two dark side points, one light side or one dark side on the, on the die face. <clears throat> That's how many destiny points you end up having, whether they're light side destiny points or dark side destiny points. This enters into a pool that can be utilized by both the storytellers and the players as the game goes on. Light side destiny points can be can be only used by the players. They can choose to use these light side destiny points to upgrade their pools, to downgrade some difficulty, upgrade the difficulty that a that an opponent would have against them, whatever they would like. Or they can utilize it for a story effect. You flip a destiny point and the force moves. It reacts to the will, to the desire of the party. After all, we're talking about the main characters of the story. And there's always a kind of flow of force and destiny around the main characters of a story. Coincidences happen. We're talking about a narrative. So coincidences are usually quite abound, especially in a game. And the destiny points are a way of arbitrating that special somethingness that draws player characters into interesting situations. They just happen to enter the one bar on this planet in which the person they need to find is sitting right now. They are led out of all of the planets, solar system to the exact one that has the next step of the plot they are going to. By no amount of skill, they sometimes just end up arriving or accomplishing whatever they need to continue their adventure. <clears throat> now the dark side, the destiny points, that, that is utilized by the storyteller. The storyteller can flip the dark side points to light side, whereas the players can flip the light side to dark side. It's a currency that is passed between the storyteller and the players. When all of the light side points have been flipped to dark side points, no destiny points can be spent, but the storyteller can spend all of those dark side points. When all the dark side points are light side points, the storyteller can no longer intervene in such a direct way, using the dark side of the force to cause unfortunate happenstance for the enemy's attacks to be that much more powerful, for the player's abilities to somehow falter and fail. There is a certain strategy to this. You could choose, once you have everything on the light side, to spend nothing. A DM won't be able to intervene in such direct ways as to upgrade or downgrade your dice pools or your difficulties, depending on their whims. But also, you won't be able to upgrade or downgrade. It's a stalemate. Same way in the other direction. What I recommend is for a storyteller to utilize dark side points not as much as they can, but at least keep a general currency exchange going. If you lock out the players of spending their destiny points, that's one mechanic of the game that is suddenly denied to them. A mechanic of the game that is actually quite fun. Gives you a little bit of control over how the story goes, how the general narrative accomplishes itself or moves to a different point. You will always have a number of tricks in your bag to throw out at the player characters. Destiny points are their way of handling that and taking some ownership over the story itself. You want that player investment, so I encourage you, use your dark side points. 
give the players those moments of desperation. It sets them up for some interesting, heroically bright moments later. So, the races of Star Wars are varied. As Fantasy Flight has continued to put out supplements, they've come up with at least three new races per supplement. Sometimes they reuse races between the game lines, but for the most part, you tend to have different races, races that you don't remember seeing before, races that you didn't have much interaction with. <clears throat> From my understanding of things, the Clone Wars cartoon, the Rebels cartoon, um, the original movies, the prequels, and all the other current movie iterations that came through theaters are, uh, along with the written books that follow along either the series or the movies, are what counts as the canon, the new canon of Star Wars right now. The Fantasy Flight books utilize that canon. There isn't a lot of focus on EU, extended universe things. They tend to take their direction from what is established in canon and move their game in those directions as well. Well, it's not always a complete one-to-one, -one, um, well, it's not ever a complete one-to-one -one exchange, especially with some of the earlier books, as things have shifted as time goes on. It is a pretty good measure of seeing what is and is not accepted within our current canon for Star Wars. Now, it's not to say that you can't make up your own races, your own abilities. There are rules to look into these things. Uh, the new Mystic Source book that came out, the Unlimited Power book, follows along the Mystics, and I'll explain what that means a little bit later on give some variant rules for how to specialize force powers, even some general guidance on creating your own, if you feel like that's necessary. Fantasy Flight is a game, this was a company that seems to put forth its Star Wars game as a storytelling-focused game. Although there are mechanics, there are numbers, the narrative dice system attempts to create situations that arbitrate themselves like the movies, like the series, like the cartoon, where we're more focused on a sequence of events that lead into adventures rather than anything else. Now, when you build a character, we move into something called classes. Our understanding of classes, and classes are separated into careers and specializations. A career is the general thing that you are. Explorer, uh, smuggler, mystic, consular, spy, soldier. Specializations are what you are within those careers. You are a, you're possibly a mystic. Also, maybe you are a magus. That is a specialization. You are an explorer, you are a colonist as your career, and you are a marshal or an, or an entrepreneur or a performer. The specializations are ways to give yourself a tree that presents itself a lot like a video game tree. You can kind of go from place to place and build your character with a series of talents, skills, and abilities. I think it's pretty interesting, honestly. Um, 
the uh, video gamer in me really enjoys <laughs> the skill tree variation, the talents and the way that they build into each other, especially which ones you have to buy before you can move down to the other ones. The fact that you can buy a number of different specializations, specialization for almost any other tree or any other career just costs a little bit of extra experience, means that by the end of a long-running game, you have some very interestingly varied characters. You gain experience in increments of five. Everything is done within increments of five. So let's do a quick departure to talk about the Force. In the game, we have the light side and the dark side of the Force. You can play a Dark Force user. The way that they arbitrate that is through a kind of a morality system. Conflict. Conflict. When your character has come across a, a situation in which they are forced to use their dark side powers, you can flip a destiny point in order to allow you to use dark side, dark side points that you turn up on a force roll and use them like a light side force user, but you take conflict from it. Conflict, the emotional twisting energy of the dark side that is causing you to pervert your path within the light. You fall to a certain degree, you become a dark side force user. You can become a light side force user again, but it is not a simple matter of just raising it. Usually there is some sort of a redemption arc that needs to be accomplished in order for your character to get back there. As a DM, sometimes morality decisions are difficult to completely rule over. That's... that really depends on the kind of storyteller you are. I don't make a lot of use of the conflict system. I tend to use it as a narrative piece. If I believe that someone is moving towards the dark side, I'll warn them. I'll continue to warn them, and eventually they will do something that will drive them completely and wholly into the dark side. At that point, that's the way that it is, and things change. Now, when you have a dark side character in your party, that's uh, it's difficult. You've got a lot of... Uh, you got to arbitrate that among your group. And I have to say, I actually had a lot of trouble doing that. <laughs> we had some dark side characters that caused a lot of trouble. Not all of them survived at the end of the game. Outside of the Force, another aspect that Fantasy Flight brings in is obligation, duty, and morality. Obligation is an edge of the empire mechanic. It's what you owe. It's what you feel like you need to do. At the beginning of the game, you roll a dice to find out whose obligation it is, and that stress is on. And likely, a story element will come into play. Maybe you're a wanted person, and another bounty hunter is going to show up to complicate whatever situation you are in because it's your obligation. Or you owe money to a particularly violent drug lord. Or some, or, or perhaps you have a favor you have to do for the Imperials. When your obligation comes due, it likely comes into play within the story, or at least your character feels it mechanically. Now, in Force and Destiny, we have a thing like morality, your emotional strengths, your emotional weaknesses. What really tests your character's commitment to the calm, zen, sedate, or their righteousness and their strength and cause as a Jedi. It really tests them, their emotional weakness, and what do they draw strength from? And uh, 
your duty um, as a Rebellion-era character is sort of what you feel compelled to do for the Rebellion, how you comport yourself, how you present yourself within this storyline, what your role is outside of your specialization, the thing that you are the best at. Are you a fighter, a dogfighter that always has to find the greatest pilot on the battlefield and engage in a pitched, engage in a pitched ranged battle with up in the sky? Or perhaps you always have to find the enemy's victory point, their batteries or their generator, and shut it down. These are things that can change the nature of what your character is motivated to do, and in a group setting, can be quite interesting to change things up and around. One of the last things that I wanted to touch on was the way that damage works. There are two different damage tracks. We have our wounds, which is your physical health, and we have your strain, which is kind of your mental health. You can be essentially non-lethally punched out, or strain particularly can take strange damage and particularly difficult social negotiations. It is the stress. When you get to the end of your stress, you're done with combat. You're done doing whatever it is you're doing. You can no longer spend the strain in order to accomplish tasks or to utilize special abilities. You are stressed out. Your willpower has depleted. Whereas if your physical health goes down too much, you essentially pass out or could bleed out and die. <laughs> it is... Um, Something that has happened before in the scope of the game. What I wanted to get into, and essentially how I'm going to kind of close a little bit of this out from the Fantasy Flight games, and this has just been a general idea of kind of comprehensively light run-through of some of the mechanics that I think really sets this Fantasy Flight game um, apart from a lot of other games that I have experienced. I was never that much into Star Wars as a kid. I got into it as a kid, but it wasn't really a thing that I was really involved in. But this system with the narrative dice really drew me in, really gave me a platform by which to create complicated situations in which, in which characters can find that even their greatest successes can sometimes have unexpected results unexpected problems, unexpected issues, and how they're going to use those unexpected issues, some of those mechanics that are in play for them to get themselves out of that jam. I want to see my players take ownership of a story, to drive themselves into it, take control of the action, and twist it to their satisfaction. As a storyteller, of course, I have to arbitrate a certain amount of things, but player investment is so rare and so hard to sustain in some cases. It's the most valuable lifeblood of your game. With player investment, it's the only way you're going to continue to run a successful session. And if you're anything like me as a DM, without player investment, you start to lose your excitement for the world as well. So giving the player more of an ability to reach in and change the story to their liking 
In my opinion, I think that's a small price. To, loss of control is a small price to pay for a, a stronger element of player loyalty and interest in twisting and moving the game. Now, I only started a session zero for C-Team, and I'd be happy to update you on a future episode on how things kind of turned out and what people decided to start playing and how I decided to make use of some of these mechanics and come up with a few of my own in order to make a really interesting storyline. But for now, if you'd like to find us, you can on Twitter at Podcast Dodeca, or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, email, Gmail, and on Tumblr at Dodeca Podcast. Once again, we always would love for you to step forward, give us your questions, give us your concerns, give us your ideas about what we should talk about. If anything we said didn't make sense, or if I ended up getting some of the rules wrong for Fantasy Flight, feel free to call me out on that. Again, we may not be experts. And from all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you for listening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next adventure.